This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. This experience where we're putting the lard in the, you know, we cook bacon and then we put the lard in the soup can and we put it in the fridge and it definitely does that one smells, but you're saying like purely... You know, pure beef lard actually doesn't smell at all. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll get our. So what you put in your coffee, it, <laughs> what you put in your coffee cup after cooking bacon, that's bacon drippings. That's bacon grease. Yeah. In, in, in many, in many ways, it's bacon grease, bacon drippings. And, and those drippings technically are a, a subset of lard. Lard is rendered subcutaneous pork fat. Tallow is rendered visceral ruminant fat, uh, predominantly from a cow. You know, there's there's bison tallow and elk. Ta- you know, any ruminant herbivore, herbivorous animal. If you render the the visceral fat from that animal, it's a, it's a the fat's called soot, and it turns into tallow when you render it. Uh, and, and, and I mentioned this before, but leaf lard, which again, if you look at our products, it's it's an ingredient in several of our products. Leaf lard is the rendered visceral fat from a pig. And it, it's an important distinction. You know, we're, we're the first lard game in town. And people, you know, that's a question people ask me all the time, which is, which is hilarious because lard was the fat at the turn of the century. Like, you know, uh, Pro- Procter & Gamble, um, you know, dyed their uh, cottonseed oil white when they developed Crisco is not white. They turned it white because the prevailing fat cooking, baking, frying across the board at the turn of the century was lard. And if you've ever seen a tub of lard, it's white. And so it, it blows my mind how far we've come because every single person on the planet knew what lard was a hundred years ago and and, and used it ubiquitously in their lives. Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, I I got a question the other day. It's like, uh, I think it was Sean Baker asked me, he's like, so like the skincare industry, like how long's what's the, what's the evolution of skincare? And, and, you know, we've been infatuated with skin health, you know, for centuries millennia right i mean ever since ever since uh well certainly certainly for the last few thousand years right you can you can dig into egyptian texts and many other um you know now, now extinct cultures and uh we we've always been fascinated with with skin health and and vibrance but candidly uh up until probably the turn of the century skin care was reserved for the elite. And here's the, here's the funny part. 
most of most of the normal everyday average Joes probably didn't have a problem with their skin for a number of reasons. One, they were getting plenty of vitamin D and sleep and, you know, they were outside getting plenty of, you know, optimal sun exposure. But more importantly, <laughs> if you were feeding your family 150 years ago on a weekly basis, one or more people in your family, if not the entire family, were elbow deep in the visceral and subcutaneous fat of an animal because you'd go harvest a, a deer or you'd, you know, take a pig in the fall and you, you've got to butcher that animal. You know, we've, we've these days and for a number of years now, we've outsourced the butchering, we've outsourced the hunting, we've outsourced the cooking, uh, we've outsourced a whole bunch of stuff. And so I'm not convinced that most people didn't, I'm not convinced they needed skincare, you know, 150 years ago, just because we we were in constant contact with animal fat. That's interesting. It was just this kind of byproduct of life that we were constantly covered in a thin layer of, of lard or tallow kind of just without even trying. And that helped our skin is what, is what you're saying. All right. Was... Hello. Hello. There you are. Yeah, there we go. You broke up for a second there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I was just saying that you're, you were like kind of covered in this thin layer of fat all the time. And, and that was really good for your skin. So before, I mean, so we lost the art of, of lard and, so we were killing all these pigs anyway, though. Where was all this lard going? Is that was, since we don't use it anymore? Fantastic question. Um, so th there's there's two answers to that. It, it, so if you look on our products, there we have a, a trademarked uh, smart lard. Our products are made with smart lard, and. Um, in the animal fat-based world, this was we, we were sort of going down this path earlier. Anyone in the game right now is tallow-based, okay? And you, you featured some fantastic ones in your article the other day with, with Zero Hedge. Why tallow, okay? Well, so tallow is visceral fat. Visceral fat is not a storage fat. It's a protection fat. It's padding your organs, right? So... Uh, and tallow comes from a an herbivorous ruminant species, right? Multi-chambered stomachs, they metabolize their environment differently than a pig. And so uh, I, I tell people the swine is divine, but the lard is hard, okay? You have to raise a healthy, happy, pastured, plenty of sunshine, fed properly pig. Otherwise, just like a human, you know, you put them in a cage and you feed them poorly, they're going to be sick and, and they're going to store that sickness and that toxicity in their fat. Okay. With, with cows, it's visceral fat. It's not, it's not subject to uh, metabolic storage. Okay. Um, a great example. Uh, you, you go to the store and you buy a steak. Okay. A nice marbled ribeye. Okay. The fat on that ribeye is white. Now, if you go to your local farmer that grass finishes that animal, that fat is yellow, okay? The reason being is that cow that was out on grass is, is metabolizing beta-carotene from all of its uh, diet, 
and storing it in its subcutaneous fat. When that cow goes off for two or three months at the feedlot, which is there's, there's no beta carotene at the feedlot. Well, it needs beta carotene, so it will draw on its fat stores of beta carotene, okay, to, to remain as healthy as it can in that environment, which is why when you go to, you know, the local grocery store and get a USDA stamped, probably not from the U.S. ribeye, the fat is white. And so, so but that's, Isaac, that's subcutaneous fat not visceral fat. And so, so what you've got a, 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 a we, we, we slaughter quite a What's the difference between subcutaneous fat and visceral fat? Which like where Sure. Yep, so subcutaneous fat think think about a human, okay? Is belly fat, back fat, all this stuff stored, you know, just just under the skin. You know, yeah. if you're if you're if you're taking subcutaneous in injections, you inject them into fat. Okay. Uh, Visceral fat is inside. Uh, if, if, if you've ever, if you've ever harvested a deer, when you, when you yeah. eviscerate them, when you take the guts, that's right. It's, it's internal. Okay. And so think of that, uh, organ casing as protection from any, any outside external stuff. And, and this goes for you know, hormones, antibiotics, it goes for a lot of different, anything that, 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 that the animal comes into contact with. The, the point being, we have a whole lot of tallow. We, we, we kill a lot of beef in this country. And so it's, it's not hard to put your hands on tallow. And tallow by default is, is a clean fat, even if that animal came from a feedlot or certainly cleaner. Pigs, pigs are just like humans. And, and you know, we, at Pharaoh, we say the lard works in mysterious ways. Pigs are so close to humans that we train our surgeons on them. We use pig parts in human bodies. Yeah, we, we, yeah right. And so, th exactly. And so, 98, 98.5% of the pork raised in this country never sees the sun, ever. It's born in a house, raised in a house, slaughtered. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's they really they never much. see the sun. Oh, it's, 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 yes. We, we, we kill a lot of pork. We kill a lot of pork too. Um, but as a, and, and that's from birth. So the, the, the market weight of a pig, you can bring a pig from birth to market weight in seven to eight months. Okay. Wow. The fastest you'd bring a, a, a head of beef to market you know, full full market weight is is I mean the feedlot beef is like eighteen months old. Fifteen, sixteen months when it when it comes in the in the feedlot and then two to three months to fatten it up. So every cow every cow gets grass for, you know, twelve to sixteen months of its life. Right? So not the case of pigs. Just so I understand, are you saying that when I go and get a steak anywhere aver in an average place? That is only 18 months old. Uh, for the animal that was killed was only 18 months old. I would, I would say yes. Wow. I didn't even know that. And I thought it was like, I, in my, you know, I have no idea. I'm just like a dumb consumer. Uh, I thought it was like, you know, <laughs> I had like seven or something. Like, I, I had no idea it was that young. You know, I, 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 didn't, I never even thought about that before. You know, it's... it's they don't... Uh, and j Well, by contrast, Isaac, in, in the UK... 
they don't slaughter anything before it's three years old. Wow. That's so weird. It is. We just actually, I just brought a, uh, I, I took an old cow. I, I've retired a cow and she was six, seven years old. Oh, here's my vice president of. <laughs> I, okay. Okay. I'm on a call. That's my vice president of manufacturing. Nice. Yeah. So we just brought a seven year. I, I love old beef. It's got, it's just, it's a little gamier. It's deeper red color. But um, if you, if I took, if I take one of my beef to a slaughterhouse here and they're over three years old, by law, the butcher has to remove the spine from that animal because whatever. 15, 20 years ago, the USDA started telling farmers, maybe 25 years ago, started telling farmers to feed carriage uh, to their dead cow to their cows as a feedstuff. It's like, hey, why don't you guys do? Yeah, it's an herbivore. And so we we created mad cow disease. And so they so mad cow disease is stored in the spine. And so. If that cow is over three years old, by law in the U.S., you have to take the spine out. You know, so no T-bone steaks for you um, when when you slaughter it. So how long? What what is the natural life expectancy of a cattle of a cow? Um, good question. Uh, I I would say properly fed, properly raised, uh, twelve to fifteen years. Yeah. So really, they don't last. They, they can. Yeah, they can last for that long. It's interesting. It's funny that like a dog and a cow are like have the same life expectancy. <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, I mean, I yeah, most of them lasted a really long time. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, well, but one, you know, Isaac, one of the problems we we're, we're really facing and have been for a number of years is um, we, we've nature has this magic way of of getting sick animals out of the way. And so when you look at the, I mean, God, I think 60 to 70% of the antibiotics, pharmaceutical antibiotics used in this country are used on livestock, right? And so we've propped up for years, poor genetics. Yeah. And, and, you know, rule number one, when you're, um, when you're, when you're farming is, uh, Viciously call is the term that was given to me. You have to be, vi- I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about this kind of stuff, but you know, if, if, if mama, if mama drops a calf and doesn't feed that calf, you know, her milk doesn't come in very well, her, you know, she's, she runs off and the cow calves having to chase it through the field that, that mama cow needs to go to the butcher. Right. Or if if the bulls in with the with the heifers and and three or four of them aren't bred, you know, there's something wrong there. You know, there's <laughs> nature's nature works. And so, you know, if she's if she's left open is the term, if, if she's not bred, she, she goes in the freezer. And so we've been we've done all these things to prop up poor animal genetics for years. And this is, this is Humans sort of too. coming back. Also, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, 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 yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarity in the livestock world. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, this, this is sort of going back to your, how old does a cow live? And yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen cows, you know, 
12, 15. I've heard of dairy cows being 17 years old, but it it goes back to genetics and nutrition and environment and and care, just like with humans. But most of the ones we're eating are like, we're basically killing them when they're very young. We're killing them when they're like teenagers in cow years, more or less. More or less. I mean, same for pigs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about pigs. How long do pigs, what's the difference there in life expectancy? I mean, my breeding boar and sow, I I did eventually harvest them and and I harvested them before they were too old. Um, Side story there. But I think that, I think Brutus was eight and Olive was seven, but I, you know, I've heard of pigs going, you know, 10, 12 years. Okay, so a little um, less than cows. They don't last. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What's yep. the story? And, ch- and what? Well, I, I I had to move the farm. So okay, here here's the quick story. Okay, everything you do on a farm is a separate enterprise. Okay, and we'll start we'll start with beef. There are effectively three different enterprises baked in the cake of a hamburger on your plate, okay? There's the cow-calf operation, which is taking mama cows, impregnating them, and birthing and, and, and taking up to weaning weight or weaning age, which is usually six to eight months from birth. And then you wean them off a of mama, okay? And so you, that's, that's enterprise number one. Enterprise number two is what you're, you know, you're, you're stalkers. You're, you're, I, I'm going to take this animal from six months up to 16 months or 15 months or, or, or maturity. And then on the very end of the tail, you have beef finishing. So I've, I've, we've built the frame, we've built the muscle. It's time to pack on the fat. So those are three different enterprises with pigs, with pigs. It's really, I think you could simplistically say it's two different enterprises. You're either raising uh, t- taking pigs to raise to market, or you're over here, ironically, farrowing pigs. So far- farrowing as a noun refers to a litter of piglets. That's a farrow of pigs. Okay, farrowing as a verb is I'm I'm getting mama pig and daddy pig together to make baby pigs. And so, it's, hence the name, you know, uh, the name of our company. But so yeah. Uh, I, I, I had to move the farm. My farm's portable and I had to move locations and life was getting crazy and, you know, lots, lots, lots was going on in my life. And so, you know, I was raising pigs for meat over here and I was also farrowing my, my boar and my sow. I was farrowing pigs and those are two different enterprises. That's two different chores every morning, two different chores every afternoon. And, you know, I had, established relationships with other local farmers where I could just pick up the phone and say, how many piglets you got? And so if I wanted more piglets, they were a phone call away. They weren't my piglets, but I was going to take them from, you know, six, eight weeks old up to, up to uh, market. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, I needed to shave an enterprise off of my daily chore routine. And that seemed like the most obvious choice. Right. So was that weird? I mean, this is obviously such a mainstream idiot question, but is it weird to kill the, you know, the pig you've gotten to know and then eat it? Weird. Weird's not the, it, weird's a good word for you. Um, no, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy. 
Yeah. It's it's not easy, but there's there's so much respect. I mean, we're all going to die. Yeah. Okay. And, it, you know, I, I would tell people, I, I, I say this to the day, my pigs had one bad day. If you know, we should, I, I, there's a video on our website of me talking about how much I love pigs. And I think I, I think I say in there, when I die, I want to be reincarnated as one of my pigs. Like we should all be so lucky as to have one bad day and we don't even know it's coming. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a time of joy. It's more of a time of reverence. Yeah. It's not, it's not joy. It's not pain. It's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's reverence. Just kind of respect. Right. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I've never, um, you know, I, I've I've been on farms a little bit, but I really would love to be more involved in, you know, the killing and harvesting of my own food. It's just, you know, for a guy, for a guy from the suburbs, when would have, you know, it's just like, there's never an opportunity really for me to have gotten into that. I mean, I try and buy all of my meat from the farmer's market, but even then you don't really know, you know, you don't, you're not really sure uh, what the, the killing process is, but anyway, just to return to the conversation we were having, this actually kind of started with asking where is all the uh, lard going now? All of the, so is it even being rendered at all? So, so yeah, what's happening to it? I, I, I mean, the short answer is I don't know. I mean, you can go to Amazon and get tubs of lard. I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the consumer market for lard is, is, um, is small, uh, right. which is fine. I, I'm trying to, trying to change that. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 the short answer is it's probably going in a landfill. Or, and it used to be like this really valuable thing, and now like we don't even view it as that anymore. Yeah. And well, and Isaac, you know, so again, I mentioned this 98%. So this yeah. over here is industrial lard. Are, are, are there things we could be doing with industrial lard? Probably. You know, I mean, again, we, we made everything out of animal fat 150 years ago. Yeah. Everything. Okay. And so could, could we be frying stuff in it? Yes. Could we, you know, I, I don't like that lard over there because, again, I know enough about the industrial pork scene to, to 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 make some pretty firm statements about the omega six to omega three fatty acid ratios in that. You know, the the potential for you know stored hormones or antibiotics or anything like that from from the industrial world. So now we let's let's pop over here to the two percent. You know, pastured lard. What's being done with it? Well, I mean. You know, people are making lip glosses out of it and people are cooking with it. And, you know, there's some, uh, I think, Epic brands and you got Fatworks. I mean, there's some companies out there. I don't know if everyone's coming from the industrial side versus the regenerative side. But, um, but I mean, we could certainly, there's a lot we could do with it. I mean, if people aren't cooking with pastured pig lard, they should try. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable uh, as, a, as a cooking fat. And, uh, but my short answer would be most of it's probably ending up in a landfill or, uh, God forbid, probably being ground back up and refed back to pigs. I mean, there's just over, over here in industrial food world, man, there's a lot of shady crap that goes on and I, I don't want to speak to it. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Um, okay. So 
you have found a source more or less to get access to this really high quality lard. Um, and you more or less built a company around it after you had this skincare experience. So what's that been like? How, how's the uh, DTC skincare business? <laughs> you know, how's that going? <laughs> uh, you know, s slowly but surely we're creeping up. Um, we, we, we launched in uh, January of 22. And, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased. I, I don't, I'm not a, you know, it's all social media and all yeah. the postings and all the algorithm. You know, we, we, I tell people our, our business is going to grow, you know, one handshake, one lathering at a time, so to speak. But uh, yeah, so far so good. It's, 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 I'm inspired, you know, I get um, my kid, my kid, you, you saw the daughter, the son's down there probably building something with Legos, but <clears throat> they, they're both, when they're here with me, they're, you know, intimately involved in the business. I mean, Scott and I have been filling orders now for two or three days while Adam was at uh, gymnastics camp. And, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, Isaac, I'm, I'm, we're still making this stuff out of my home. I mean, I rent the commercial kitchen at the local church. Um, I mean, we're, don't, don't get me wrong. We could scale and scale fairly significantly, uh, in, in a short, short time period, but I, I, I'm digging the organic growth. Um, so, so many people, again, this stuff is, it, it works so well on a, on a gazillion different skin conditions. And so it's just about like one person at a time getting it in their hands. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's effective. And so I think so most said, people. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I, 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 I've said this from the beginning. This stuff works. Yeah. You know, it, it may not smell the same as your Clinique. It may not look the same. You know, if it gets hot outside, this stuff turns into liquid. Like, so we've got a, I've got a warning label now that I, that I pack in my, uh, in my packages and it says warning. This stuff is amazing, but if it gets warm, it's going to turn into liquid. So like, stick it in your fridge for a little bit and keep it inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I sent you some, what do you think? Well, so uh, I've, I've been traveling so much. My wife ferreted away somewhere and I got to actually use it. I have not actually used it yet, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you when we actually get around to it, uh, we'll definitely tell you, I, I should have done that today, but I just, I, I, I have just been so busy, but um no, I definitely want to try it. I mean, I'm not really much of a skincare guy anyway, because I have just naturally amazing skin, you know, so I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to worry. No, but uh, my wife, she uses all kinds of stuff. So I, I, we, I'll definitely get her to use. I mean, she's all about this uh, type of, you know, she'd be, she would love this, all of this. Like she's very excited about it. Um, so how many products do you have? We just have four right now. Uh, I've got a few in development. So uh, we we launched with our what I call our flagship product. It's um, well here I can I, now that I'm over here I can show it. Yeah. So this was our flagship product. It's um, our skin food, skin our food. face food, and then this uh, sublingual CBD elixir. Now you can buy them together or separately. There's our little our little piggy. Yeah, and then we just launched uh, in in um, in April. I was in Austin, Texas for KetoCon. We launched uh, our new Epic Dermis. So this is a portable, packable, recyclable aluminum tube, and 
it's uh, it, it it has one scent. Our our other creams come in scented and unscented, and you know, almost immediately after we launched in 2022, I had a whole bunch of people like, "This stuff is amazing," but you know, packing a jar in my purse is not convenient, or you know, I, I'd like something that's a little bit more on the go, and so. You know, I develop everything in the kitchen, and so it's just taken me a little while. We, 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 I market tested this stuff even before we launched. You know, I had this farming business, and so I was making creams in the kitchen, putting them in jars, taking to people. Hey, try this. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. And so we did. We took the same approach with Epic Dermis, and this is actually this is going to end up being a whole product line. Um, you know, you can do a whole lot with uh, essential oils, right? You can, uh, you know. Uh, think, think of like a Bengay cream, like a muscle relaxing cream, right? Well, you know, you can, you can mimic, you can mimic that, that Bengay feeling with other <clears throat> essential oils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a, I've got a, a, a deodorant in oh, development nice. right now. I'm testing it out on myself and I've just sent a couple out. Uh, actually the, 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 the second product I ever, tinkered with was a, was a bath bomb. You know, they were, they were all the rage maybe two or three years ago, yeah, I remember that. uh, four years bomb. ago. Yep. Yeah. That was the bath thing. bomb rage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've, um, lip glosses. I mean, I, that's my joy is like tinkering in the kitchen and developing and experimenting with, with product development. That's, that's, that's my jam. And my daughter loves doing that with me. And so we'll, we're playing around with a bunch of stuff you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's when you're, when you're not emulsifying fat with water, which is, which is the reason skin care. So skincare is toxic because, and, and for anyone listening, the first ingredient on your skincare product is water. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like half of a percent of the time. Yeah. Okay. So when you take water and fat and, and some emulsifier in between and, you know, funny story, Isaac, you know, back back to the sunburn, right? Well, I get online and I'm like, I got I got to make a cream out of this stuff. And so Google said Google says, well, take your, you know, I looked up a recipe and it was like shea butter or coconut oil, distilled water, and and, and an emulsifier. Well, I I don't want shea butter. I got lard, and so I just mixed up this water. Be I think I used beeswax as my emulsifier and and lard, and I, dude. The cream was so luscious and so choice. And in seven days, it was rancid and turned black because of the mold and bacteria that grew in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so what's the first thing I do? I start Googling antibacterial essential oils. So I start dumping those in there. And, yeah. You know, it goes from seven days to maybe 12 days, and then it's just like throw it away. And so, you know, back to the bacon drippings, right? If you cook bacon, you pour the drippings in a coffee cup. They sit on your kitchen counter for months. Yeah, yeah. There's no water in there. It's all fat. Yeah. And so I, I, I intuitively knew I got to get the water out of there. And so that's when we, I, I mentioned we use tallow in our products. That's when I brought some tallow in and started playing with ratios of tallow and and lard. If it, for, you may know this, but if your listeners, if you've got a jar of lard and a jar of tallow at room temperature on a kitchen counter, you've got to like spoon into, dig into the tallow. It's, tallow, it's yeah. hard yeah, at it's room right. temperature, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and 
and it can be grainy, you know. I mean, we we melt our tallow when, when we're making a batch of cream. In fact, I'm going to probably make some to, tonight after we're done. Yeah. Uh, you know, I melt I melt the tallow. If I don't do that, I can still mix everything together, but it, it gets kind of grainy. And so, so yeah, so I started playing with tallow and lard together, different ratios. But back to the point, if if your product has water in it, then it by default has chemicals in there that kill bacteria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's there's a ton of research on this. Uh, parabens are are a very common. Phthalates are a very common preservative, and these are these are endocrine disrupting estrogen signaling compounds. So we're messing with our hormones. And on top of that, and this is like the uncomfortable conversation you have to have with people. <laughs> we're we're covered in bugs. We have like five to seven pounds of microorganisms living in our gut, in our hair follicles, all over us. It's, it's, it's our human microbiome, okay? And so when you spray that or, or rub that cream on your, on your skin, you're rubbing a chemical on your skin that kills bacteria. So it's, it's going to destroy the natural microbiome that's on your skin. Is that good for us? I don't know. It's probably not good for us because if we didn't go and do that, it would, you know, that, that microbiome that we, you know, harmoniously live with every day would still be there. And so. Right. So do you have, is one of the products selling better than the others? Has one really, what's been the most effective sales uh, lesson that you've learned so far? Most effective sales lesson. Well, because um, there's, a, there's, the surprise. there's so many people that are trying to do this DTC thing, right? There's a million yep. white label. I'm sure there is one thousand, hundred thousand white label skincare brands. That is some girl who went to marketing school and is like, I'm going to make Susie's, you know, skincare line. And she just gets the same crap from China or wherever they make it. And she slaps her brand on yep. it and she finds it. She makes an Amazon store, right? And she get, gets a few hundred thousand followers. She does a bunch of Instagram crap. There's probably a million of these. There's very few people doing what you're doing <clears throat> who's actually making the stuff in their kitchen out of a completely new materials, right? But you're competing with all those idiots, you know? So like, I'm just wondering how you're competing with them. How are you getting ahead? <laughs> Well, uh, for starter, well, I, I, I would challenge your, your thinking there. I, I think anyone that's doing their own Etsy shop, j just because, and here, let me explain. I've been down the road of reaching out to cosmetics co-packers to say, hey, will you take my recipe and put it into products so that I can sell them? You know, your, your average MOQ, minimum order quanti quantity, for those that don't know, your average MOQ with those folks is like 10,000 units, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so, <clears throat> but, but if you look at how the skincare industry is built, okay, it's all a multi-level marketing platform. Yeah. Beauty Counter works this way. You, you know, the Cadillac, the Mary Kay Cadillacs from years ago. Yeah. So the big monsters do they do embed themselves in small towns and they empower the, the very person you were talking about right and they fill them full of 
their marketing information and ship them out the door and say, you know, go forth and sling our product. So that model exists. In terms of how we're competing, we have an absolutely far superior product. It ain't even close. Any, any, I, I will walk into any drugstore, any pharmacy on the planet, I, I, hands down, far superior, better, healthier for your skin, not going to hurt you, all of that. Our challenge is getting the word out, right? Our challenge is putting it in in the hands of people. But I will I will take slow growth. I will take eating that elephant one bite at a time. No, because I'm not going to step away from creating a a handcrafted, high quality, scalable. We're scalable, dude. But but we're we're not going to break away from our commitment to real ingredients, no preservatives, no chemicals. Um, you know, and, and if we hit a ceiling, great. That, that, that'll be a, a, a fun challenge to overcome in terms of production capacity, you know, throughput, all the, all the operation challenges that come with, with scaling. I, I, I look forward to those, but I'm, I'm not, and you see this, I mean, you've seen it, you've seen it in the food industry, you see it in cosmetics, you see it in drinks, but, um, you know, the, the big guys buy the little guys. Yeah, but I will tell you that I, Isaac, I'm I'm hopeful. I I'm sure you're familiar with Mark Stisson. Um, have you heard of Mark? Mark the the, the Primal Kitchen. Mark Stisson oh, yeah. is yeah, his yeah. name. Primal Kitchen. Yep. I, I, I yeah. Primal, Primal Kitchen. kitchen. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you so you got Primal Kitchen. You got Epic Bars. Um, I'll give you a bad example. Burt's Bees. Burt's Bees used to be this handcrafted. Yeah real ingredient company in the in the Pacific Northwest and I forget who bought them maybe it's maybe it might be Procter and Gamble but one of these you know huge conglomerate skincare or food care uh, companies bought them and you know sure enough two three four years later the ingredient list changes and you start using crap um, so that's that's the bad story the good story is over here you know I think some of these even the big players are starting to wise up that consumers are actually giving a shit and uh, so Sisson is a great example I think Primal Kitchen sold two or three years ago four years ago Epic Bars sold maybe five six years ago and these are brands that I think have, have maintained as much integrity as they can yeah uh, you know they're not in charge anymore but 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 what it's telling me is that the the big elephants that that you know run the show, you know everyone's driven by the dollar, yeah. right? And so the more consumers that step up and vote with their dollars, yeah. Yeah. the better. Well, and that's what you know. I think what's so, so interesting about this movement that we're under, you know, Primal Kitchen and um, Epic Bars are such good examples, but you, you, we both know it's just a matter of time. If they sold to the big funds, you know, if they sold to the big hedge funds, they're just going to slowly but surely, we're going to look at that product label and, oh, suddenly there's something in there we didn't see before. And then, you know, it's <clears throat> and then for a matter of time, it'll be you know, it'll be the same recipe as Heinz. It'll just say primal kitchen on it, you know what I mean? which is, which is exactly what happens. It's, it's like a, it's like a mechanism. It's like a, it's like a physical law that that is what's going to happen to your product. If you sell, it's gonna, that's gonna happen. It's just like inevitable. There, there some consultants going to come along and say, well, what if we just, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we just shaved off this little cost and then slowly, but surely you become exactly like all the rest of them. And I just think what's actually really great is that 
people like you, some of the other entrepreneurs that we've been talking about, um, it's like the the whole food movement, right? That that's kind of where this began. This was, used to be a hippie thing. This used oh, to be oh like no. you know this all started as like a hippie movement, but they've completely sold out. So now we have guys like you, you know, guys like us who are doing this, and it's like I feel like we're not going to be as like I feel like now it's going to stick because we know that we're up against this mechanism that is designed to destroy what we're trying to make. Right. And so I just feel like this time around, like, I feel like we're too smart to let that happen again, you know, like like it happened to these past brands. Well, and you know, Isaac, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hopeful optimist. Right. And so I, I, as much as I, as much as I agree with you and, and we'll, we'll keep picking on or not picking on, we'll keep talking about Sisson. We, we live in a world now where in, in my pocket, I hold the power to tell the entire world something. Right. And, and, and we, and I think we have enough consumer advocates granted the algorithms don't like us and, and, you know, all of that, but there are enough people yeah. watching Mark Sisson's products to where the the very minute that there was a nefarious ingredient on there or a change in this, the world will know. Yeah. Okay, and I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is then it's just going to take another Mark Sisson, right? right? right. Yes, and so that. I know nothing about Marxist and maybe he's really great. I, I don't mean to be, I'm just talking about the larger mechanism uh, sure. of how this works. You know, that, that's no, we're, we're on the, we're, we're on the same page. And, and, and I, I do share your optimism about these times. I, I think we're at a sort of a, a tipping point of um, consumer curiosity. I, I don't think it's intelligence yet. I, you know, just there's just too many people that don't know. But but that that's changing. Uh, I'll tell you what. We're also at a damn tipping point with health, right? Um, you know, the human species, and this gets into diet, it's lifestyle, so yeah, all. It's, the, it's gotten it, so bad. You know, yeah. It's we we are at a at a literal tipping point. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll give you one example. This is completely mostly unrelated to skincare, right? But but your average diabetic costs between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars a year just on diabetes management. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm not that, surprised that, that, it's not more than that. So well, yeah, that, that yeah. that's just diabetes. That's yeah. not all the other shit right. that diabetes leads to. Okay. Okay. So I'm one person and I cost the system $20,000 a year. If you just turn that into a health insurance premium to cover the costs, right? That's about 15 at 165 $1700 a month, okay? Now I know healthcare's gotten expensive and you know whoever you work for or I work for, you know, I look at my premium and I'm like Jesus, but it ain't $1700 a month. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's just one example of a tipping point. Uh, the human species is so resilient. Thank God. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But we've literally reached a tipping point. Does skincare have something to do with it? Absolutely. We, we are lathering ourselves in a toxic soup on an ongoing basis. And the problem is that these little micro investments in poor health. It's, you know, it's just a little bit of endocrine disruption. It's just a little bit of that. Yeah. But you 
You, you throw that on top of the preservatives they put in all this junk food they're selling us, the sugar, the high fructose corn syrup, the sh- crappy walk. You know, we've reached a literal tipping point with human health, certainly here in the United States of America. Well, all and you have to I do think- is just go outside. You just just walk outside. I went to my daughter's uh, like daycare centers event the other day at like one of these children's play places. It was like March of the rhinoceroses. It was like everybody in there was like upwards of 250 pounds. I was just like, where like, like 85% of the people in there were morbidly obese. There was like 150 people in there crowded into this space. And like, I'm not a model of health, but like, man, like to get that for so many people, just average everyday people to look like that. Like we are really it's out of control. I mean, it's completely out of control. And and that's how most people look these days. It's, it's, it's really, really crazy. And yeah, they're all on a million different medications. They're all just shoveling this disgusting shit into their mouths all day. It really is, is, and that's the difference in the the hippie movement was really more of kind of like, Oh, well, we don't want to, we're doing this for moral reasons. Whereas I don't think we're really even doing, I mean, we're, it is moral to be healthy, but we're also doing it simply because it's just like the alternative is horrifying. Well, and look at, look at all the psyops, you know, they, they, they're saying now that obesity is a genetic disease. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So take more pills, know, they, take more pills. Oh yeah. They, they, yeah. They've been tooting that horn now for probably a decade, but really in the last, you know, one of the silver linings of, uh, spring of 2020, yeah. uh, we'll call it that. One of the silver linings of spring of 2020 is they've just put all their damn cards on the table. Yes, like yes. N- no mention of vitamin D for, for for no mention of getting you know they let's close all the parks, let, you know let's close all the gyms, yeah. let's let's put you in your home and and um, oh and by the way this you know c- uh, morbidity for this thing is like 40x if you're obese. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's not talk about that. Let's not. We're not going to. No, yeah. no, we can't. We can't. So, like, I again, I'm a hopeful optimist, right? And 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 the and one of the reasons Pharaoh is here is because I, you know, I had this diet, nutrition, cookbook writing, paleo world, right? And the day I called it my paleo lens, right? I, you know, I, you've heard this before. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Okay. I call that my paleo lens. Like, look, look at the world through this lens. When I shined that lens on skincare, it was like, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no, you know, I'm looking at my daughter and my son and, you know, and and of course it, it, it helped, it worked for me. And I was like, oh, I, I have to do this. You know, I've never heard of a van man. I've never heard of tubes and coat. I'm not saying they didn't exist, but I'm looking at the skincare industry at large and I'm like, somebody has to do something about this because this, this toxic soup is killing us. And, you know, over here in food world, there's plenty of people, you know, banging the, the, the food drum. You know, I, I banged it for 10 years, but, uh, oh man, I, so can they're, you they're just, that? they're just trying to kill us. Well, they're, they're just, it's, it is amazing. Actually, I shouldn't say that. They're not trying to kill us. They're trying to to keep us alive and Barely. fat and stupid as long as possible. Right, right. So we can pay taxes and buy more terrible shit. 
Uh, so could you pivot though to, um, food? I mean, it did like, like since you have this lard, you know, the lard hookup, could you, um, you know, because Epic, they have their jars of tallow, yep. you know, and yep. so could you start doing that? Cause it seems like you also have your CBD thing. So it seems like you are at least diversifying a little bit. So it's not just skincare. Well, I, I mean, the, the, the elixir, I, I am highlighting the benefits of CBD through the lens of skincare. There's all sorts of other benefits. Oh, um, is that, but does it go? It's a sublingual. It yes. goes, yeah, it goes under your tongue. Yeah. CB, you know, there, people, this is another question I get all the time. It's like, why don't you put it in your creams? Well, CBD doesn't absorb as well through the skin as it does sublingually. And so... I, I just don't, I don't feel good charging someone for a product that they're not getting the full benefit of. And so I'm just very transparent. It's like, if you want CBD, I think it works very well. Put it under your tongue. Yeah. Don't, don't smear it on your skin. Um, to your question though. Okay. So, and, and again, this is, this is part of the problem with skincare. We take things that go in our mouth way more seriously, right? So if I, if I was going to, uh, you know, so open up a you know a lard from a from a cooking standpoint that's that's a whole different ball of yarn not not that fda regulations aren't you know i've got to meet certain regulations but but how how the regulators treat what goes in our mouth versus what goes in our skin are completely different things over here in skin world it's like make sure it's labeled properly make sure you're not making any claims about it and 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 that's about it right there's i think there's there's 11 this blows my mind. There are 11 chemicals prohibited by the FDA for use in skincare in the U.S. By contrast, there are over 1,300 wow. compounds in the EU, right? And so, you know, the foxes guard in the hen house. Yeah. And so, so to, to, to pivot like that, it's, it's not stuff I don't think about. It's just, it's, it's just a whole nother ball of yarn. Now, having said that, at some point, you know, Isaac, we're going to scale. You know, this is this this product is changing people's lives. It works really well. You know, we're going to graduate, you know, out of the home kitchen and and uh, cottage cottage laws. At some point, I fully intend to build out our commercial kitchen or facilities where we upgrade our manufacturing capabilities. Th those facilities will fully meet. Uh, USDA, FDA food grade inspection, because I do want to have the capacity to pivot. Um, and so, and, and the, hell, I mean, you can make so many awesome things from lard. So yeah, uh, it's, it's something I've thought about, but, but again, it, it's a whole different set of rules. It's a whole different set of inspections. It's a whole different, it's a whole different ball of yarn, so to speak, not, not an insurmountable, um, hill by any means plenty of people do that uh i'm just yeah. right now i'm going to stay in cosmetics stay in there um all right so last question how are you gonna know like is there gonna be some signal that happens as an entrepreneur where you know like this is gonna make it like i'm gonna like this is gonna happen and like this is what i'm doing for the rest of my life is there any like moment that you'll know that well, yes. So I already know it. 
okay? Because because I'm I'm talking to you about it right now, and it's been a year and a half. Um, it's it and it's really been three and a half, four years with development and all of that. So I'm I'm long in the tooth. Um, you know, I've got a I've got a revenue number, you know, a top line revenue number where uh, you know if we're if we're moving if we're moving between <clears throat> five and seven hundred orders a, a month, then you know, the profitability, the expansion, the hiring a team, that all starts to manifest. Um, I, I, I'm here until that happens and, and much, much further beyond that point. But I, I feel like I'm already there. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, if I, you know, it's, it's, it's so funny. I, I tell people, I'm like, that's such a drop in the bucket. Skincare, I mean, it's a $30 billion industry in the U.S. It's, it's so big. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, you were asking like, what are our best products? Our probably our most popular product is what we call our skincare duo, which is these two products yeah. um, combined together. Um, I'd say that's that's probably our most popular. Uh, I'd have I'd have to look at the data between scented and unscented. But again, the the unscented side of the house has really really blown me away. And um, but we just we just launched this Epic Dermis product in April, so sort of giving it time. Uh, it's at a lower price point uh, as well. That was one of the other reasons I wanted to get a, you know, a, a less expensive packaging. Um, you know, these aluminum tubes, you know, this is a frosted glass jar. I, I really want this product to compete, this this bundle, to compete with high-end skincare. And, you know, it's it's got to look pretty. It's got to be, you know, it's got to, it's got to play the part, you know, unfortunately. Um, I think it's got yeah. a great name. I think Pharaoh is a really, really good name. But I mean, if if you're going to be competing with those super high end consumers, I mean, aren't they kind of looking at? They're like reading high fashion blogs and stuff. I mean, like, isn't that? Aren't they kind of like a whole different like type of consumer where they're you know people who are living in jackson hole and you know going to hanging out at the yellowstone club and yeah i mean it isn't this like a certain type of woman who's buying this stuff i mean is that who's finding you so far like is that who your customer base is or is it more like normal people i would say that we are <laughs> that's a good question all right so we're probably 60 40 female to male Oh wow! I now, thought you now. Like yeah, ninety. Oh, okay. So you got a lot of guys. Well, I mean, again, we're still young, but yeah. uh, and you know, I've I've got some guys helping me on. You know, Twitter over here. Twitter's a male-dominated space. Instagram's a female-dominated space. I, I run our Instagram, which is laughably abhorrent, but you know, I get I get content out there. I don't. I you know, I haven't done the sex sells bit yet. When I've gotten you know, sexy. You know, scantily clad women. You know, flat laddering up. Um, but so, I, okay, so sixty female, forty male. Um, I would say if you took that group at large, maybe a ten percent or what? What you might consider like that high end Jackson Hole yeah. garden and gun yeah. uh, audience, right? Which, which if you've got any ends. Like this is such a wheelhouse garden and gun product, you know. It's, I know. Right? If anyone's that's listening, like, that's like, it's like the perfect I'm, thing. It's the perfect thing. I'm ready that. for a feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but um, but I'd say we're about ten percent there. I'd say, 
I, I'd say we probably have 60 to 70 percent correlation across our population with sort of the paleo carnivore oh, yeah. keto yeah. healthy food and diet movement Got it. Yeah. and um, you know uh, socioeconomically I'd say we're lower middle to upper middle class almost across the board really? um, yeah yeah listen this I mean you're gonna find this out this stuff goes a long way like this little jar uh, will last most people on their face you know, God, two or three months. I, I, I get this a lot. I get, your products are expensive. Well, no, they're not. They're expensive for you, but also they're expensive. I, this is what I say now. If you only allow my product to replace one item in your medicine cabinet, then yes, it's expensive. But I'm guessing that it could replace three, four, five of the products yeah, currently all this crap. taking. It's, yeah, all this It's, so many it's oh, I, it's 17 steps, and you need a morning routine and an yeah. afternoon routine and a, and a winter routine versus it, it, it. And it's all bullshit. It, yeah. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I, I I'm just I'm just honest with people. You know, if I mean honestly, I don't even use our face product. Now we have it's it's formulated for the face. It's a little gentler. It's a, you know less. This more that it's so because because the consumer market demands a face product, right? God forbid you tell someone, well, that stuff you're putting on your elbows, it probably works underneath your eye pretty good too, uh, yeah, right? You would never but, want to reveal that it's the same thing, right? Yeah, no, I know. Well, it's, again, these products are different, and I for 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 the consumer that's never met me or talked to me, and and most people make decisions you know, just on what they see. And so we offer a face product and it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's jet, you know, men are rougher on their it's faces too. So I don't really gentler. It's gentler. It's like, a little it's, it's gentler. It's got more leaf lard in it. It's got less animal fat aroma. Uh, yeah. Our scented versions got less scent. So, you know, cause it's up by the nose. There's a number of different things that went into the formulation and the discrepancies. I mean, if you look at the ingredients on these two products, they're the same. It's just different levels. It's, it's, it's the ratios. That's correct. That's correct. Um, and because I, I do want to, I want to, you know, you got to meet the consumer somewhere. Yeah. Right. And so to have a one product to rule them all, like to hell with that. Like let, I'll, I'll play ball. Yeah. You got to play a little bit of, of, of the game for sure. No, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I, I got to get out of here, but this was uh, really great. Thank you so much. Uh, again, I, I full support from me. I can't wait to go. I'm going to go crack it open right now uh, at home. So, yeah, I'll send people to your Twitter. I'll send people to your Instagram. I'll send people to pharaoh.life, the uh, yep. the website. And yeah, thank you so much, um, Charles. Thank you. I, it's been an absolute pleasure, Isaac. And and we we can we can talk to the fat anytime you want to. I'll work on my internet connection so it's not as uh, well. We figured it out skippy, after, but... after the beginning. We got it. So it's been um, a real pleasure, man. I we'll talk again for sure.